We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another live Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. We are talking about another Nets W, nine straight at home. Jack, how you feeling? A win's a win, Nick. A win's a win. <laughs> yes, it is. Nets picked it up, 122-117. They had to grind this one out. And as always, check us out, iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OGBasketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and YouTube. But, Jack, what were your initial thoughts about this one and this win? I mean, it wasn't pretty, Nick. There were frustrating moments. You know, the offense, you know, left a lot to be desired in terms of just the execution. You know, I, I just think that there were some good looks. You know, just guys just weren't hitting shots. Uh, but when it came down to it in the clutch moments, guys like Joe Harris, Shabazz Napier, DeAndre Russell stepped up. Damari hit a couple of free throws here and there. And uh, the guys got it done. It wasn't, you know, pretty. It wasn't easy. Um, but a win's a win. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's all you want. Exactly. It kind of reminded us of the first one against Chicago. The Nets didn't shoot well. You know, they did a good job taking care of the ball. I thought the offense was okay at times, and they just literally couldn't knock down wide-open shots. That was everybody from Joe Harris, Damari Carroll, D'Angelo Russell at times, but they stepped up when it mattered. Your boy Joe, I think, had 10 points in the fourth quarter. You know, D'Angelo obviously was huge in that second half. Just guys stepped up, and they kind of just got the win when they needed to. Yeah, and that's what you know, you do in these sort of games. You know, when the the balls are falling your way, the shots aren't falling, you know, you start to hit the basket a bit harder, you know. Joe Harris, you know, was just doing the right things at the right time, and uh, I think a lot of it was timing as well. You know, D'Angelo Russell, I think, lifted and really lifted the team alongside him, really, uh, really, really enjoying his leadership and just his ability to lead and, and bring this team along with him. You know, it's obvi- it's been a, an early criticism of mine of his, but that's, you know, I've, I've been forced to eat my words and I'm happily eating them, and they taste bloody good. Yeah, they do. They taste good. You're right, though. He's definitely developed into a leader on and off the court. You see him doing things. And one thing I feel like he's done a good job of, like, Rondé Hollis Jefferson has really been struggling, and he's been trying to put him in a, in a position to succeed. And we saw it work out a couple times. He hooked up Rondé for a dunk, got him in some easy layups in there, too. So I think the Angels are really developing and understanding, you know, the game of basketball and what it takes to be a leader and a point guard out there. Also, probably had at least five, like, elite passes tonight. 
Yeah, I mean, the, some of his little ways, his bounce passes, his timing, his precision, the recognition of angles, zero turnovers. You know, it was obviously a criticism of, of, of his last year. You know, he would have, you know, some really great highlights, but then the turnovers would be like four or more. So he's just becoming a very mature player. And, just, and, and, and like you said, Nick, he's making his teammates better. He's finding them good looks. And he's just, you know, getting them in, in the right situations. And that's what a good player does. And he lifts his teammates. And, you know, uh, James Harden is doing it with his G League teammates. D'Angelo <laughs> Russell is doing it. D'Angelo Russell is doing it with our guys. You know, Rondell Ellis Jefferson isn't, you know, the, the most fancy offensive player, but he makes him look good in terms of, you know, getting him nice pick and roll plays and, and throwing those sort of passes. It's, um, it's a sight to behold. This guy's really growing. Yeah, and he really responded well to whatever you want to call it yesterday, a benching or, you know, limited minutes. Three steals tonight, a good amount of hustle plays. He got to the free throw line 10 times. Obviously, some of that was just late game fouling, but I would probably say at least six he earned himself. And I felt like there's actually a couple strong drives in this game where he created contact. Yeah, four to six fouls, I would probably say off the top of my head as well, Nick. It just seemed like he, he was playing with purpose throughout a lot of the game. Even when the shot wasn't falling, you know, he wasn't, you know, necessarily uh, getting downtrodden. He still finished the night with a, a very respectable 10 of 22 from the field. And a lot of the time when D'Angelo is playing and the shot isn't falling, he is sort of the one that's emblematic of those woes. But he was sort of leading the way, being able to get the guys back, hit a few shots. That mid-range, obviously, is just, you know, it's just money no matter what. Uh, and you just feel confident whenever the ball in his hands that he's going to make the right decision occasionally obviously he can be a little bit slow and you know that that lack of pace can can undo him but for the most part he was just in control tonight yeah he was and you mentioned the shooting like he started the game i believe two of nine so to yeah. finish 10 to 22 he had a really strong second half i like the way he came out in the third quarter and just got i think it was the first two or three buckets for the game for the second half and it kind of just got the momentum going for the team they played a good third quarter and i thought a lot of that was also just drawing free throws in general or drawing fouls in general i want to say they went to the free throw line in the third quarter alone almost 17 times yeah, I mean, to win the free throw battle 40 to 19. I mean, a lot of that was probably maybe eight of them or so was probably in the in the last couple of minutes, in the last minute or so um, in junk time. But, you know, to obviously not making more than 30 is, is a little bit of a worry. Um, I know we talked about that off wax, but at the same time, you know, you have those off games, you know, of sorts. I think, you know, a lot of our guys were still pretty good when, it, when they got to the free throw line. And I'm confident enough in them. You know, Jared Allen, I remember we spoke about him early in the season. You know, he was nailing some really clutch three throws down the stretch. And he's got his percentages back up to around that 75% mark. So he's really been working on that. And, and despite the fact his offensive game isn't working, you know, he's making strides there. Yeah, no, he, you know, he made me look terrible with my prediction, but at least he had his clutch free throws. But, um, you know, missing 12, you know, you mentioned it was kind of an off night in general. Like, they didn't really hit any shots. They were 28 to 40 from the free throw line, 10 to 35 from three. And a lot of that was open looks. Obviously, field goal percentage at 44% isn't terrible. It's not great against a Bulls team like this, but the shot just wasn't knocking down tonight. And he did a good job of still winning the game. Yeah, it was certainly below 40 for at least the first two quarters. You know, 50 mm. points in the first half, 20 points in the first quarter. You know, only 28%, 28.6% from three. Um, the shot wasn't falling, but at the same time, you know, there were times where they were pushing the issue, you know, putting uh, Chicago's defense under pressure. It just seemed more, like you mentioned on Twitter, Nick, that the transition defense and, and getting back and getting stops just wasn't happening, you know, despite the fact that we would get some decent looks because, you know, the Bulls defense isn't anything to write home about. Uh, but we weren't able to get the stops, which is, you know, you get the stops and, and at least an easy offense and it, and it extends the lead. You know, it's, it's a pretty simple game. 
Yeah, the transition D, specifically in that second quarter, was horrendous. You know, there was other times it was pretty bad, too. It's almost like the Nets either got lazy or they were trying to go for way too many offensive rebounds, especially when guys in the other team rebounded well. I think Laurie Markin had a career-high 19 rebounds, so good game for him. Let's move on to some other Nets, though. Uh, Shabazz, he kind of had a hot and cold game, but I thought he was better in the second half. 24 points, 8 of 17 from the field, 5 of 10 from 3, you know, 4 assists, only 1 turnover, and he had 3 steals. Man, I was frustrated with him at times, but then he would come back. And the thing I love about this game is that it, it takes just a couple of minutes and a couple of plays to make you eat your own words. And I was, again, I was more than happy to do so. Shabazz was just, he hit some clutch, clutch threes. And, you know, five or 10 from three. He was one of the only guys who was above, you know, 50%. In fact, he was the only guy, you know, other than Ronda Hollis Jefferson who, who hit one of two, who was even close to 50% from the field. So without Shabazz's threes, we don't win this game. So you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued and I might even, you know, he led the team in, in box plus minus as well with plus nine. So I might even have to do a, a bit of a breakdown if that video is available for me. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. I'd be interested to see the breakdown too of kind of what went right and what went wrong. Also on a couple of those three-point attempts, I mentioned this to you off uh, off the show. You know, I felt like he was trying to draw the foul. It'd be interesting to see if there actually was a foul there or if he was just trying to like bait in the call. So I, I think Shabazz, you know, he's starting to get a better feel of his role in the team. And I don't think he'll ever be that, lead guard for the second unit where he's kind of running the show he's more of just like an offensive burst you know he just kind of has to balance it a little bit better at times he looks a lot better when dealers out there with him mm. uh, i think that that makes a lot of sense and both of them can feed off each other and dealer is just working really masterfully you know with his teammates you know the starting unit really lacked energy at times so the bench unit sort of stepped up especially you know ronda hollis jefferson with his sort of you know first half 14 points i believe it was you know he as much as the fact that, you know, it's herky-jerky, it's not pretty to watch, um, you know, he was making some good plays. And like you mentioned, Dealer was finding him as well. So, and he was able to get to the free throw line, you know, a few times. He wasn't making, you know, as many as we would have liked. But, you know, Rondé was good. You know, Damari Carroll did his thing a little bit as well. Um, so, yeah, the bench unit sort of stepped up at times because, you know, guys like Ronnie Onskouritz and Jared Allen um, weren't necessarily having their best outings, especially on the offensive end. Let's go talk about Rondé a little bit. What did you think about his game? You know, it felt like he missed more shots, but he really, like you said, was only 7 to 10 from the field, only missed three shots. And he did have three turnovers. But do you feel like this is in the right direction, or is he still kind of out of control and not finding his rhythm? I think he needs to be played a lot with D'Angelo or with a good passer. I don't think Shabazz has the passing acumen. You know, he's a, he's a fine passer, average to above average. But D'Angelo Russell is a very good passer, and he needs that to find open looks and Rondo, obviously, with his aggression, you know, he D'Angelo willingly feeds him on a lot of occasions, whether it's down low or whatever. You know, there's times where he can look out of control, but if he makes it, you know, it just makes it look good. Um, we sort of mentioned last game, you know, if he's having anything more than 15 shots, but 20 minutes, 10 shots, I don't necessarily hate it. Uh, I think that's around the mark when you're comparing it to Damari Carroll, who had nine himself. So, you know, if, if Rondo's having 10 shots, he's, he's putting up, you know, 15 points or so. Um, rebounding hard, you know, limiting those turnovers a little bit more, but I'm fine with it and, and, and getting to the free throw line a bit, little bit more. But he, he was dunking with some ferocity as well. Good to see him, you know, getting a few dunks there, get some confidence. Yeah, it's like if he's taking the good shots, I think it's okay if he gets up to 10 and it's within the offense. You know, a couple times he still kind of rushed it and he, you know, loves that fadeaway a little bit, which he can hit sometimes. But I think the attacks that are strong, like you said, with that dunk, that's something we like to see and get to the foul line. Just got to do a better job of knocking down your free throws. Three six isn't going to really cut it. Your boy Joe Harris, you know, another solid game he pretty much stepped up when it mattered we mentioned he had 10 points in the fourth quarter maybe even more with the free throws 5 of 11 2 of 7 from three but 5 of 5 from the free throw line and obviously he had some clutch defensive plays too again I felt like there was a couple plays in that uh, fourth quarter where you know he did a great job keeping verticality 
Yeah, my boy's clutch. You know, I, I was <laughs> expecting I was expecting the bounce back game. I love Joe Harris. I could tweet about it every single day. I could set it on schedule. I could do those 280 character tweets where you just write, I, I love Joe Harris and copy and paste it 40 million times. Um, do it an entire thread about him just writing, I love Joe Harris. Um, he was just great tonight. Uh, and, you know, it's the... It's exactly what you want from a complimentary piece, you know, in, in a system. He's the perfect role guy as a starter or a bench player. Hits the threes, makes the right plays, makes the right passes, does the little things defensively. Uh, there's not really anything that he does bad. Occasionally, he might force issue a little too much. You know, he doesn't take bad shots. You know, you you want him to sort of take JJ Redick contested shots occasionally, as, as we mentioned in the pregame. But um, he was superb and the perfect sort of piece um, for when D'Angelo's firing and Shabazz firing. He's so important to this team. Yeah, and I thought he did a really good job in this game at certain points when they were overplaying with the three-point line, making those cuts to the rim, and then obviously D'Angelo dropped one in there for probably the play of the night. It was just a beautiful play execution-wise and a beautiful pass and beautiful finish. So uh, that was probably my favorite play of the night. Uh, Damari, I felt like he had another, you know, it wasn't huge stat line, but he just does so many small things for the team, and you feel a lot better when he's out there in the clutch. You know, Rodion's obviously had a rough game. Subbing Damari in late in that fourth quarter, I think, was a big factor. Yeah, I thought that was the right decision. As as, uh, as soon as that sort of happened, I'm like, okay, I feel a little more, more, a little bit more comfortable, comfortable now. The right decision by Coach Kenny. Um, you know, he just does the right things. Whereas, you know, Rodions can get a little bit erratic, put up some uh, some errant shots. You know, be it from three or driving too much, and you know, creating turnovers uh, for the opposing team. But you know, he'll learn from that. These are all learning experiences. And congratulations to both him and uh, Jared Allen for making the Rising Stars Challenge. Yeah, it was very impressive. I mean, we kind of expected both of them to make it, but for them actually to get there is great for the Nets and the whole entire organization and Sean Marks and just getting some more attention for the Nets. Also, it's obviously great that the Knicks didn't have any players. I mean, it works out well. <laughs> I mean, I was a little bit surprised that Kevin Knox didn't make it, but our boy Keith Smith on Twitter, apparently the assistant coaches are the ones that vote for it and they cannot vote for their own team. Um, or, or players on their own team. So um, interesting to see the the coaches don't necessarily rate uh, a guy like Kevin Knox and Alonzo Trier, who are, well, I think have both been quite good this season. And, and I was surprised I haven't seen the entire list. But in relation to Jared Allen, Nick, uh, stock market rewind, Allen's suffering the most with Dinwiddie being out. I, I, I like that point. Do you agree? Disagree? Uh, I think it's definitely having an impact. You know, obviously, it's just another good passer out there that he can have a connection with Aliyup. And him and uh, Spencer are probably really close, at least from what we can see in terms of, you know, Twitter activity and just overall, like, communication on the floor and off the floor. So I think it's having an impact. But I think Allen himself is just in a little bit of a funk right now. He just is kind of rushing shots at the rim. He just doesn't look f fully comfortable. And obviously, teams are probably getting a better feel for his scouting report, too. Yeah, and um, I really liked that one move from him, though, where he showed some purpose and some aggression, you know, getting to the basket, using some nice footwork. And, you know, I, I think he, he needs to be a little bit more aggressive rather than passive. You know, I, I think pass passivity or whatever the word is, the passiveness, you know, passive sort of nature that he has uh, in general, he's a gentle giant. Um, but occasionally when he, you know, that block that was disallowed due to the Trevion Graham foul, that's what we want more of him. You know, him to just show that confidence, show that aggression because he can make a real impact when he's out on the floor. And I think you mentioned, Nick, with the Spencer Dimity factor, I think it's just having one of his best buddies out there. Both of them have great banter, especially on Twitter. I think Spencer tonight was still in our job. He's doing too well with this thing. We're going to get that, that boy back quick soon because he's just killing it with the, the live tweets. He was saying that he's going for the world team because Jared Allen's on the USA <laughs> team. 
<laughs> he, he's crazy. At least he's not posting videos yet, so we still have a job for now. But uh, and when that happens, we're going to be in trouble. Uh, and Jared, you know, hopefully he can kind of bounce back after the All-Star break. He could be slumping a little bit just from fatigue. You know, we talked about this last year. He's not a big guy. He's played more minutes this year, I would think. He's expected more this year. He's battled against bigger centers. So I wouldn't be surprised if fatigue's playing a little bit of a factor. Yeah, and he's still rebounding the ball quite well. You know, eight rebounds. If any any night that Jalen's getting eight rebounds or more, that's a good evening from your center. Uh, and, you know, when you're splitting those minutes with a guy like Ed Davis, who gets seven himself in, in only 16 minutes, you know, you can't ask for more from your centers. You know, obviously, you want them to be, you know, uh, at least some sort of a threat down low. Um, but that'll happen. Uh, and that's, I think, one thing where the Nets lack a little bit, just a creative offensive center because Ed Davis and Jared Allen are so sound fundamentally. They don't have the the offensive, you know, skill set of a guy like Brook Lopez or Nikola Vucevic. Yeah, that's where, you know, I'm not advocating for the trade. I just think it would be interesting if a guy like Dwayne Dedman was here because he provides something different with his three-point shot and he's still, you know, a solid rebounder and defender, but that's for another podcast. Uh, Rodion's, this is probably one of his worst games of the season, you'd say? Uh, yeah, it'd probably be up there. Uh, two of 11 from the field, over five from three. Did get to the free throw line, made a couple of free throws, did rebound the ball, got his uh, signature steal, um, which was nice, but did get a block on the other end. So even with his worst game of the season, you know, he's a number 40 pick. And as Iron Eagle mentioned, you know, the, the lowest pick to be selected in, in this Rising Stars Challenge. So he's absolutely exceeding expectations, even with these sort of games. Yeah, I think the only the real issue I had, I think, tonight was the threes. They weren't catch and shoot threes. They were almost like pull up threes or coming off screens. It just he didn't look fully comfortable shooting them and he hit front of the rim a couple times. So I don't know why he didn't consistently drive a little bit more. Obviously, that's something that's going to come as he matures, gets a little bit more confident in his game, because I feel like that's when he's at his best and he's getting to the free throw line, too. Like you said, not overall a terrible game, though, because I thought some of his defense on marketing wasn't bad either. Yeah, I didn't hate it. Uh, and, and I think that's where he can make up from some of the lapses on, on the other end of the floor. You know, just play some solid defense. Um, he did. He does foul. You know, he can be prone to foul a little bit. Um, I like his length, uh, but when he does reach over occasionally, um, he's going to get start, starting to get called for that, you know, a little bit more. But, you know, he's going to grow. Each game is a, is a new experience for any rookie. And for a guy like Rodion's, he's going to take some lessons from this one and, and move forward with it. Were you surprised we didn't see Theo Pinson? Uh, not really. You know, uh, you know, Kenny shortened the rotation to nine. We saw 10 against Boston. Mitch Creek and Theo Pinson both didn't play. Um, I think that D'Lo and Shabazz were more than capable, you know, plus nine, plus six, uh, both of them. So both of them were, were net positives uh, quite convincingly But when they're out there. And I think, you know, when Rondé, they, Rondé can handle the ball a little bit, obviously. I'm not as confident with the ball in his, in his hands as probably Coach Kenny is. Um, uh, and Damari as well. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily a surprising decision uh, because we could use them maybe against San Antonio um, as other guys start to come back. It's just good to have that depth. And uh, Mitch Crick on the 10-day, it, it was just a, a wonderful experience for him to actually just... He was there tonight as well and some great photos coming out. So even if they don't play, um, just having those guys around, you know, they're just great teammates. Yeah, and it's good for them get some NBA experience, you know, live out the dream. Jack, you know, obviously the Nets scored 122 tonight, but it wasn't super offensive explosion status. You know, the fourth quarter they scored 39, but there was different moments in the game where they were pretty much cold. And that third quarter, if they didn't get to the free throw line, they probably would have been in trouble. Are you a little bit concerned about the offense with Dinwiddie being out and Lever obviously out and Crab and Dudley? Um, the most concerning thing about Dinwiddie being out, Nick, is the fact that he just opens up so much for the for the offense in terms of the lanes. And when he's able to ISO, it just 
you know, he, he's got that one-on-one and he's going to get to the basket at will. Um, and it also opens up, you know, the perimeter when he sucks in guys and that second sort of defender. So that's probably the the biggest area. And, it, and generally that just makes his teammates better. Um, and, you know, he's got obviously, you know, a nice sort of two-man game with the center as well. But I think, you know, the, the offense overall is going to have its nights. Um, you know, we still had 25 assists on 42 made field goals. Um, we spoke about before the game, if we can win that battle, which we did, 25 to 17. You know, if you're having 25 assists plus, you know, I, I think that's relatively um, good enough uh, offensive performance. And, you know, getting to the free throw line 40 times, obviously, like we said, uh, six plus of, of those were probably in junk time. You know, 30 free throws or more, it's just making those free throws and making the shots from the, th- from the three-point line. And I think it would have been a much better sh- showing in terms of the box score. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, but I, I am a little bit concerned. I think about the offense at times, just because when things do go stagnant or you're not hitting shots, having somebody like Dinwiddie, like you mentioned, who can get to the rim and just really create things for others and disrupt the defense, you don't necessarily have that. Shabazz can do it a little, but he's not quite the same passer. And I think some of that's due to his size and just lack of vision. So I think we'll kind of have a better feel going up. Obviously, a great team in San Antonio to see where the Nets' offense is at. Yeah, I mean, they're defensively one of the most sound teams of the past two decades, you know, despite the fact that they don't necessarily have that sort of uh, cattle these days. They just find a way to just uh, disrupt you and, you know, Greg Popovich, greatest coach of all time. But um, like you mentioned, Nick, uh, before the game, in terms of the turnovers, you know, we were able to force 18 of them, only eight ourselves. So I think if you're looking at all the the key fundamentals, you know, we only lost the only real thing, losing the rebounding battle, um, was the only sort of thing in, in terms of the blip on the radar. Yeah, and we really only lost that is because we shot so terribly. You know what I mean? It's not like they had a ton of offensive rebounds. We had seven, they had five. So I thought uh, turnover battle was great. And I think that's exactly what you need to do in a game where you're not necessarily knocking down shots. You got to play the other aspects of the game really well. And I felt like the Nets did that tonight. Yeah, and, and, you know, you step up in other areas. Didn't necessarily light the world on fire in terms of points in the paint. But again, like you mentioned, uh, a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie is a real fulcrum in that sort of area. So um, not having him is going to really hurt. But, you know, I, I think there's going to be just – you take a game by game, you know, whatever the team sort of gives you on the other side of the floor. And a team like San Antonio, you know, obviously they don't shoot a lot of threes. Um, so you have to, to probably defend a little bit differently. Uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. But good to at least bank this win, which is um, an important one because, you know, San Antonio is a really, really tough matchup. Yeah, and we matched last year's win total. What does that mean to you, Jack, that they already hit 28 wins at this point in the season and we're not even in February yet? I think it's a huge achievement, um, but I don't think it means much um, when you're talking about March and April when you're looking to cement your playoff sort of status. You know, uh, I think you know the goals readjust uh, consistently for this team and in life in general. When you achieve something, you know you you recognize it and then you readjust and, and change those goals. You know, I'm, I'm becoming a, a life coach here, Nicholas. It's just what you got to do. You know, the Brooklyn Buzz has grown from being you know two blokes on either side of the world just chatting some hoops to being you know a, a podcast where we speak live to a couple of people chatting with us as well. Yeah, um, Jack's so you know, give me life advice after this and tell me what I need to do. Oh <laughs> uh, man, we we all need it, my friend. We all need. It. I need it myself. So we might have to get in the DMs. <laughs> If, any, if anyone wants to hit me up, you know, jbtpodcast.gmail.com. Um, but no, it, I think it's a great achievement, uh, but it means nothing because uh, we have much loftier goals ahead of us. Yeah, and I mean, they're continuing to put themselves in a good position. Up up two games on Miami right now, up two and a half games on Charlotte, and up five games on Detroit. So I think they continue to kind of build towards that. And like we said, they have a tough stretch up coming. It's so important to take care of these type of games. So hopefully they can continue to do that for the next – next few months and they'll probably be in the playoffs i mean you'd expect them to be um but again there's tough stretches along the way you know you never sort of count your 
Is it count your chickens or count your eggs? Count your eggs, isn't it? I'm not sure. Uh, no, <laughs> no farm life for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so hopefully, you know, you, you know what I essentially am meaning is you, you just take one game at a time. You know, the, the whole process is takes care of each other. Um, you know, if, if you're getting the wins and you're playing good basketball, the wins take care of itself. You know, obviously Milwaukee's going to be a tough one as well. So two really tough matchups. And I, and I think going against Orlando, uh, again, away from home is going to be a really tricky one too. So it's not going to be an easy stretch for the Nets, but um, they've surprised us before. And who knows, we could bank a couple going forward. Yeah, it would be nice, obviously, to beat San Antonio too. And I think Orlando, maybe the Nets get lucky and they make a trade before they have that matchup or something along those lines. But Jack, any other topics or anything else you want to mention about this game? Nothing I can think of, Nick. It wasn't the most memorable of games. Um, again, a really good um, achievement by our guys and a credit to the coaching staff to to see Jared Allen, you know, a number 22 pick, I believe, and Rodion's Courts, a number 40 pick uh, in the Rising Stars Challenge. Hopefully they can uh, represent Brooklyn well. And uh, my boy Joey Buckets better be next. Now, Jack, we're going to get All-Star Reserves, I believe, on Thursday night on TNT. Do you expect to hear D'Angelo Russell's name? Um, No, but... That's just me. Uh, I, I would like to. Uh, I'm, I'm saying I'm not saying that I don't think he deserves it. I'm just saying that I don't think he's going to get the recognition from the coaches and everyone else because, um, but he might. I mean, I think he's more likely than, than some, um, but he, he he's around there, so he might. That optimistic Jack Manuel that I love. No, <laughs> I actually think that he will. Like, I think that he's like killed enough coaches and coaches after games have given him a lot of respect. Even guys like Brad Stevens, Steve Clifford, like guys have mentioned after the games, like, all right, D'Angelo's gotten hot. Like, he's really the reason the Nets won that game. And I think obviously, you know, we don't want to see anyone get hurt, but Victor Oladipo going down improved his chances dramatically. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you take that into account, you know, Bradley Beal's obviously balling out. And, you know, there's other guys, Kyle Lowry, Eric Bledsoe, on winning teams that might have more favor. We're a winning um, team now, Jack. We are as well, but we're not in, to the extent of Toronto and Milwaukee, two of the best teams in, in the NBA right now. So uh, it's going to be a battle between those sort of guards. And D'Angelo Russell, with the form that he has shown, uh, especially after another really solid game tonight, um, is continuing to solidify his case. So, um, again... Like I, I like to be, Nicholas, uh, it's the life lesson that I've taught all our listeners. You remain slightly pessimistic and then you're optimistic about the results once it happens because you you have low expectations. Low expectations, high reward. Not about that life, but that's the <laughs> <laughs> yin and the yang effect right there. And uh, I'm giving you a hint. I'm going to do my NBA outlet pick tomorrow for the reserves. I got D'Angelo in there. I think he's just done so much. The Nets have been so hot and they're starting to get all that attention. And he's been the best player on this team and they are a six seed because of him for a big part of that obviously Spencer Dinwiddie but he's out right now so he can't get in and that almost helps his case a little bit too because they might have been taking votes away from each other yeah I mean that's a, a very fair call um and you're talking about you know just de dealer just continues to do the right things I've put out that poll uh it's not going to <laughs> it's not going too well for our boy Zach Levine so I was talking about for OGD basketball who would you rather have on your team for the next five years 94 percent of 97 votes said they would rather have D'Angelo Russell. So, um, sorry, Zach, don't at me. <laughs> yeah, and especially when you take shots like that at the end of the game, but that's for another day. Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, nah, just, uh, again, thanks to everyone for interacting. Thanks to everyone for listening, whoever's been on board. Um, it, it's always wonderful, and um, we're going to keep doing these things because it's, it's going well. Um, but, again, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun ride.
Yes, sir. We're enjoying the Nets wins. We're enjoying all the interaction with you guys. Appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show, to the podcast, whatever it is. Check us out. iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OGGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Go Nets. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.